Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zora. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on DSTV's Audio Bouquet Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabiso Lohoko and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, Zimbabwe's president says Africans must be united and South African government urged to quell attacks on foreigners. In economics news, Nigeria boycotts World Economic Forum in Africa and in sports news, Nigeria Football Federation faces further corruption probe. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. SABC News, independent and impartial from an African perspective. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. The Democratic Republic of Congo says the SADC region has to come together to help South Africa deal with issues around violence against foreigners. The DRC's ambassador to South Africa, Ben Mpoko, says SADC member states need to grow together so that the region becomes an economic force. Mpoko says Congolese President Felix Tshisekedi could not attend the World Economic Forum and Africa meeting taking place in South Africa because of matters of state and not because of the attacks on foreigners. Nigeria is not attending in protest at the attacks. Mpoko says growth of the SADC region benefits all its citizens and will lead to greater mutual understanding. Is a member of SADC. We would like our region to be an economic power on the continent. So if one country is experiencing problem, we should all get together to help the country out. It's like a family. Now that South Africa is going through this xenophobic thing, we need to get together to educate the young South Africans that is in the best interest of South Africans, of the Malawians, of the Congolese, of Zimbabweans, to work together. Divided, we will never develop our continent or our region. Too wrong don't make a right. What they are doing is going to retard our development, it's going to slow down our growth. The Ugandan government has decided to review its open-door re- uh, refugee policy, citing concerns about security and criminality. The country has, in the past few years, been held around the world for its all-embracing approach to hosting refugees and has given shelter to more than a million people from across the region. Refugees Minister Hilary Onek says they are reconsidering their refugee policy because some neighboring countries had abused it by deploying spies disguised as asylum seekers to destabilize the country. He says from now on background checks will be carried out and the merits of each application will be vetted. Uganda has until now operated an open door policy in times of emergency when thousands of people had fled across its borders with few if any checks. 
Pope Francis is due to meet top Mozambican government officials on the start of a tour of African nations that will also take him to Madagascar and Mauritius. The Pope is expected to address the country's fragile peace process and the devastation caused by recent cyclones earlier this year, among other issues. The tour comes a month after the government signed a historic peace treaty with the former rebel group Renamo, which is now the main opposition party. The BBC's Martin Bashir reports. This visit by Pope Francis to Africa will allow him to focus again on two of the main themes of his pontificate, care for the planet and compassion for the poor. Mozambique is still recovering from an unprecedented two cyclones in a single season, where rampant deforestation has made the country more vulnerable to extreme weather. Later today, Pope Francis will meet government officials where he's expected to warn that the greed of foreign businesses mustn't be allowed to pillage Mozambique to the detriment of its people. The outgoing Chancellor of the University of Cape Town, Grosser Michel, has challenged the university to join hands with other institutions of higher learning in South Africa to look into the real cause of the high levels of violence against women in the country. Michel addressed students during the memorial service of student Uhinene Mkhechana, who was raped and killed. A suspect has been arrested. Thousands of students dressed in black attended the UCT service. Michel says the university must find answers to what is feeling the large number of attacks on South African women. And if it happened here in this institution, which is considered to be one of the best institutions in the country, the best institution in Africa, it has to begin here to ask the hard questions and more importantly, to contribute to find answers, which are going to contribute whether whether you are government, whether you are mother or grandmother, wherever you are, take responsibility to make our society safe. And finally, U.S. Secretary of Defense Mark Esper has granted 3.6 billion U.S. dollars in Pentagon funding to be redirected to help build a U.S.-Mexico border wall. The money will fund 280 kilometers of construction and will force 127 military projects to be put on hold. Building a border wall was a major campaign pledge of President Donald Trump, but it has faced significant opposition. A national emergency declared by Trump earlier the CIA allows his administration to use money from the military construction budget, which gave the Pentagon the go-ahead to grant the funds. And that's the news. Headlines at 7.30 Central African Time. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms on Facebook, Channel Africa One, on Twitter, at Channel Africa One, and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. The African Union has urged the South African government to ensure that violence against African nationals is stopped. The continental body has also urged other African countries not to retaliate. Channel Africa's Coletta Wanjohi spoke to the spokesperson of the AU Commission chairperson in Addis Ababa and sent us this report. 
The African Union says it is saddened by the violence in parts of South Africa that have led to the destruction of property belonging to other African nationals and death of some people. Eba Kalondo is the spokesperson of the AU Commission chairperson. I think the reaction of the African Union is, probably mirrors uh, the reaction of many on the continent. Um, first, you know, the, the very stark images um, would push anybody and any organization, especially a con continental organization, to condemn any form of violence, um, especially like the violence that we see um, where you have um, nationals of fellow African countries um, having their property destroyed, looted um, in South Africa. It's, it's an extremely it saddens everybody. Kalondo adds that solutions to the issue must be based on South Africa as a sovereign state equipped with instruments of law and order. The African Union Commission um, stands ready to assist in any way that is deemed appropriate by the South African government um, to support its efforts as a sovereign country um, in how to tackle uh, this issue. Um, and again, um, this, is, this is one of the basic fundamentals of the African Union and, and, and why it was created, is that we stand in support of all our member states in well and woe. And uh, I think it's important to be able to be able to support the South African people and its government during this time. Eba, the spokesperson of the African Union Commission chairperson, adds that the African Union recognizes South Africa as a peacemaker in the continent, hence expects it to pacify its own territory. I'm not aware of any acts um, by any other member state uh, of retaliation uh, to South Africa. And I think it's important more now than ever uh, to be able to use language in a moderated and in a way that doesn't inflame emotions and perceptions, but that can reflect a reality that together we must get out of. Um, I think right now, they, I don't think that there's a siege mentality in terms of that retaliation um, by, by other member states towards South Africa. I think that the outpouring of outrage is... Uh, is, is, is understandable, and I think that outrage is not only shared by people north of, north of the Limpopo, the, this outrage is shared by, by South African citizens, and, 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 and rightly so. But this should serve as a reminder of the very, very unique place that South Africa holds, not only in the consciousness of, of, of other African nations and universal aspiration, but also in the aspirations that we have for ourselves. Yes, it is an honor, but it's also a burden. And that burden we should share. Hmm? So when we talk about things like retaliation, I think it would be frankly wrong <laughs> to suggest that there is. Um, and now is the time to be able to federate the broad social uh, movements in South Africa. Um, in the region, in SADC, and on the continent, to have frank conversations, um, to have a language of, of, of frankness, but not violence. Um, the language of violence only begets further violence, and the African Union Commission is certainly uh, the organization, organization that is of the view that whatever 
this organization can do to make sure that a first-tier country like South Africa and a counterpart country like any other country, but also Nigeria, these are leading economic political states on, in, within our union. We are definitely of the, of the opinion that we have sufficient political leadership and wisdom to be able to garner the type of courageous engagement to do this frankly and openly, to be able to come to a lasting agreement. Um, and this, we think, will occur. Ethiopia, whose citizens have been affected by the violence too, has issued a statement urging the South African government to ensure the situation returns to normalcy. The embassy in Ethiopia in South Africa issued a statement on Tuesday asking Ethiopians to stay safe by closing their shops until the situation becomes normal and not to wear flashy jewelry when they go to the streets. I'm Colette Anjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. South Africa's police minister, Peggy Kele, says when police arrest foreign nationals, they focus on criminality and not where they are from. Kele was responding to questions to the peace and security cluster in parliament. On the other hand, the opposition parties, the DA, COPE and the ACDP, say they have written to President Sul Ramaphosa and parliament to ask for their intervention against a spate of violent acts. Mercedes Percent has more from parliament. During the question and answer session in the National Assembly, EFF MP Sengiwem Kalipi wanted to know how the police plan to deal with the violence in Gauteng. Mkalipi also wanted to know whether the attacks were not sparked by the recent arrest of some foreign nationals trading in Gauteng. Minister, there is a currently crisis of xenophobic attack in Gauteng and very soon it will escalate to other provinces. So what is the plan for you as a minister and your department? Because it happened before. It's not happening for the first time. And it's going to be soon be escalated to the provinces such as KZN, where it happened before. Secondly, the, 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 the premier of Gauteng, Makura, said he'll want a military intervention. Do you agree? Thirdly, the role of the subs when they were harassing our African brothers with their goods. Don't you think that is the subs who started that xenophobic in Gauteng by harassing our foreign nationals who are our African brothers and sisters who are trading here and they don't do anything about crime to Chinese, to Pakistan, to all other foreign nationals. They are targeting only African brothers. In response, Tele told Mkalipi that police focus on crime irrespective of nationality. Unfortunately, the South African police were not looking at xenophobia. We're looking at criminality. It doesn't matter who commits it. If you break the laws of the country, whether we are South African or we are foreign national, we are going to act as such on you. The last question that you raised there are many foreign nationals that are African and others that are trading legally in South Africa. We've got nothing to do with them whatsoever. We don't even come close to them. But those that they come here without papers, sell illegal goods, we will really come close to them 
and put them where they're supposed to be. Meanwhile, Estelle was responding in the House. DA leader Musi Maima, Nikob leader Musiwa Lekota and ACDP leader Kenneth Mishwe were on the steps of the National Assembly holding a short media briefing. They announced that they want an urgent meeting with President Ramaphosa about the violent clashes in Gauteng. Maimane says they also want Parliament to intervene in the matter. We've written to the presidency to request an urgent meeting with President Ramaphosa. It is time that with President Ramaphosa we work out a plan that works for all South Africans, that we are able to appropriately deploy the intelligence and the intelligence report that deals with what is happening in this sporadic violence in our communities. Secondly, we've written to Parliament to establish a a, a National Assembly committee. This committee will seek to engage on the previous report that was uh, tabled on xenophobic acts. What were the remedial actions that were put in that report and why has that report been not followed through? Likota says COPE will give more details during the proposed meeting. We will be able to speak a bit more when we shall have heard what government has to say about what steps have been taken ahead of this explosion that is in the country. Meshua extended an apology to foreign nationals, saying they are all welcome in South Africa. We want all people who come from outside to know that South Africans are welcoming people. So we also want to say an apology to all the foreign nationals who have been hurt, to their leaders, and those, as we heard, some from another country who say, let us pay revenge. We say to them, we are apologizing. We are working on this matter to ensure that it doesn't happen again. Back in the National Assembly, Tele told the House that about 280 people have been arrested for looting and the destruction of property in Gauteng. He also cautioned that the looting is not only affecting the businesses of foreign nationals. There is this narrative to say the shops of the foreign nationals are burned down. I visited where this thing started at GP. There is a long line of banned shops. Shops that are banned there, your shop right, is your jet, is your pep, is your Yusuf. And last time I checked those were South African shops. So it's a criminality that is destroying the property, is looting from all other shops, and we have arrested up to this morning at six o'clock, we have arrested 280 people for getting involved in such activities, and we believe that the matter will be going down and the matter will be coming down and surely we'll be working with communities and other departments to make sure that we work, we work on the matter and come to an end. Thanks. And that's South Africa's Finance Minister Peggy Kele ending that report by our parliamentary correspondent, Mercedes Percent. When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling, but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger in a South Africa that was hostile. Hello, Africa. This is 1000 African Voices, and I'm your host, Avurengui. Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9, and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. Rise, Africa, rise. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. 
Zimbabwe's president, Emerson Nagagwa, says Africans must be united and fight the scourge of xenophobia. This follows the looting of shops belonging to foreign nationals in South Africa. He was speaking at the World Economic Forum on Africa in Cape Town. Lula Mamadia reports. The conference takes place against the backdrop of violence in the country. The president of Zimbabwe, Emerson Nangwakwa, participated in a discussion on delivering the promise of mega projects. He was also quizzed about the attacks of shops, including those belonging to foreign nationals, and their impact on the economy. He says Africans must understand that the world is now integrated. We must preach unity. We must preach love. We must preach that we are one people. We are brothers and sisters. Not only in one single country, but in the region. We must uh, talk about integration so that the mentality of this is mine and it ends there must be removed. We must move away from the past uh, concept of communities being separate. Participants in the discussion believe that better investment in modern infrastructure projects would yield positive results for the continent. They say these mega projects will also contribute to job creation as the majority of young Africans are unemployed. The African Union representative Amani Abou explains. The size of our economies is small and cannot absorb all this potential of young people and, and does not, cannot create uh, uh, this large number of employment that is needed. Some studies say, and hear me well, that Africa needs million jobs per month. Million jobs per month. This is why mega projects are important. Meanwhile, the International Relations Department has refuted reports that three heads of states cancelled their attendance of the conference because of the violence. It says all the heads of states that confirmed attendance are part of WEF on Africa. The department says President Paul Kagame of Rwanda notified it before the attacks started that he would not attend, citing other pressing commitments. However, the DRC president, Felix Chisekedi, did not confirm attendance. The department says it has not received official correspondence from Malawi's president, Peter Mutarika, on whether he will attend or not. Lula Mamaja at the Cape Town International Convention Center. The South African Human Rights Commission says it is deeply concerned by violence, looting, arson and vandalism plaguing much of Johannesburg and Pretoria. The commission has called on members of the community to seek lawful and constitutional channels to give expression to their concerns and thereby respect and uphold the human rights of all and respect for the rule of law. For more on this, Ntlantla Matlangu spoke to Gashwal Brooks from the South African Human Rights Commission. The South African Human Rights Commission wants to remind all in South Africa that we need to respect the rights of all people within South Africa and that this is um, obviously very concerning that the violence in particular is aimed at uh, non-nationals who are present in South Africa. But the South African Human Rights Commission at the very same time 
uh, does also understand and highlight the fact that um, we, we do understand that the source of the tension and the violence is, of course, as a result of people's political, social, as well as economic circumstances, and that uh, these shouldn't be ignored either, and that they need to be urgently addressed. It doesn't excuse the behavior that we're seeing on the ground, but at the very same time that the Commission does understand you know, the concerns of people, but at the very same time that we need to deal with it as soon as we possibly can. So the Commission says it will soon engage with relevant officials and the stakeholders to look at the situation and try and address it. When exactly is this likely to happen and who are these stakeholders that you want to bring together? Well, that's part of it. Uh, The Commission is still actively working on that uh, approach. Um, We need to understand that obviously a whole bunch of stakeholders need to be involved, including the leaders of some of the action that we've seen, protest action and the looting and so forth and so on. But apart from that also, um, the uh, police need to be engaged. Uh, But beyond the South African police services, we also need to look at a whole bunch of other stakeholders in this particular space. So I think we do need to um, highlight the fact that this particular problem, and that is the approach of the Commission, it does not vest with one particular entity, and there is no uh, key stakeholder that has the solutions to all the problems. What we need to take into account, though, is, is that everyone needs to come to the table, and it's incumbent on all South Africans, whether they be part of Chapter 9 institutions, civil society, faith-based organizations, business, or government, or the state itself, that all of us need to uh, lend a hand in in obviously quelling uh, the tide of violence that we are seeing, uh, violence that is largely being directed specifically in this instance towards non-nationals. What is your appeal then to South Africans and people who are generally living in South Africa? The Commission's appeal is obviously that uh, we need to maintain and respect law and order and that um, at all times we need to ensure Uh, that we uphold the highest level of respect for the rule of law and justice. But apart from that, that's key and central to that is obviously the respect for the rights that are are entrenched uh, within the Constitution, which still remains the highest law of the land, and that is, of course, uh, the right to equality, dignity, and freedom for all, as well as, uh, in particular, the right to life. Um, And uh, the Commission also wants to highlight that the Constitution particularly um, highlights that um, we provide, as a South Africa's constitution provides equality to all within South Africa. And on that basis, it's incumbent on all of us then to protect the rights of all who, who are in South Africa. And therefore, we need to uh, seek social cohesion um, and rather than, than resorting to the acts of violence and theft that we've seen in this instance. That was Gashwal Brooks, Communications Coordinator at the South African Human Rights Commission, speaking to Ntlantla Matlang. Students from schools and various institutions of higher learning in Cape Town picketed outside the South African Parliament on Wednesday in protest against gender-based violence. This follows the rape and murder of 19-year-old University of Cape Town student Uyinene Mkhwetjana. The students later shifted their protest from Parliament to the Cape Town Convention Centre, where African and international leaders have gathered for the World Economic Forum. They demanded to see South Africa's President Sil Ramaphosa, saying he is silent on the abuse and murder of women and children. Mlamli Maneli reports. They came in their numbers wearing black and weaving placards. 
They blocked several streets around Parliament in protest against gender-based violence. The young women have called on their male counterparts to protect them against the perpetrators of these crimes. This is what some of the students had to say. We're here today to show solidarity, to stand for our women, to stand for the young, for the old women, for the babies that are also in danger for the future generations as well. Because at the end of the day, we are, we are every woman. We are here for our cries. We want to stop violence against women. We want to stop violence in general, you know. It's not safe in our country anymore. We literally live in fear, and I don't think people understand the magnitude in which we live in fear. We are sick and tired of the men raping our mothers, our sisters, our aunts. Are we next? So we are afraid of everyone, of the men coming to us. We are provoking the enemy today. Students later moved to the convention center armed with one message, no to gender-based violence. Outside the center, police fired stun grenades in an effort to disperse the angry crowds. Police spokesperson Andrew Trout says the officers had to take action. Police members were deployed in Cape Town CBD to maintain law and order during protest action when several students took to the streets. Action was taken and the crowd was dispersed. One 24-year-old male was arrested for public violence and is due to make a court appearance once he has been charged. At UCT, thousands of students attended a memorial service. The university has declared three days of mourning and activism against gender-based violence. Outgoing Vice-Chancellor Krasa Machel says UCT must start the process to find answers to the sketch. And it happened here in this institution, which is considered to be one of the best institutions in the country, the best institution in Africa. It has to begin here to ask the hard questions and more importantly, to contribute to find answers, which are going to contribute whether, whether you are government, whether you are mother or grandmother, wherever you are, take responsibility to make our society safe. The Deputy Minister of Higher Education, Putumana Mela, says policy guidelines to guarantee the safety of students at the institutions of higher learning seem not to be enough. As a result of the policy guidelines that we've put into place, most universities have now improved their securities. Most of the universities have set up structures on campuses to help with victims when they report cases. Most of the universities are now hounding out lecturers who demand sex in exchange for marks. But it also shows that, you know, even that is not enough. If nothing happens outside of our campuses. Students are planning more protests at various places on Thursday in response to the recent violence perpetrated against women. Amlam Limaneli in Cape Town. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms. On Facebook, Channel Africa One. On Twitter, at Channel Africa One and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. It's 7.30 and our headlines up next with Anne Musa. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. 
A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussan. The headlines, the Democratic Republic of Congo says the SADC region has to come together to help South Africa deal with issues around violence against foreigners. Pope Francis is due to meet top Mozambican government officials on the start of a tour of African nations that will also take him to Madagascar and Mauritius. And the number of people known to have died in the Bahamas as a result of Hurricane Doreen has risen to 20. Those are the stories making headlines. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms on Facebook, Channel Africa One, on Twitter, at Channel Africa One and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. September is National Pharmacy Month, which aims to draw attention to the importance of using medicines responsibly for maximum benefit and to prevent potential harm. In South Africa, where there are no fewer than 11 official languages, medical experts say it's crucial that patients have access to expert advice on appropriate use of medicines in a language of their choice. To discuss this further, we are now joined on the line by Rensha Myberg, a sales and marketing director of Medipost Group. Rensha, good morning and thank you so much for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine. Good morning, Lunas. Thank you for having me. Now, what's the significance of marking National Pharmacy Month? Well, other than what you've already mentioned, it is to make people aware of the importance of uh, engaging with a pharmacist or having access to advice that can assist you in taking your medicines, especially chronic medicines, but also over-the-counter or self-medication appropriately so that you get the best effect out of it and that your long-term longevity and health is sustained. Now, what are some of the things that impede patients from taking their medications correctly in most cases? Well, um, in most cases, it is because people are not adequately informed. Um, And in South Africa, where we do have 11 official languages, having access to expert advice in your mother tongue or language of choice is crucial, especially to explain the importance of how to drink your medicines, how crucial it is, to maintain your your health by drinking it every day and especially with people that are uh, frail and that cannot understand um, why they need to go and fetch their medicines, that's where Medipost then comes in to assist by delivering it to them but also making sure that they have access to be um, counselled and to have the pharmacist on call any time that they would require. Now, do South Africans generally have an adequate level of health literacy um, to get the maximum benefit from medicines? Well, it's interesting that uh, even in some of the developed countries, the World Health Organization estimates that only approximately half of people that are prescribed chronic medication actually take it directly. And in the United States, a study found that over a third of the American adults uh, do not have an adequate level of health literacy. 
So in South Africa, I think it's even more pertinent because of the, the lack of access to a pharmacist that could give you proper uh, advice and explain to you how to drink it. Uh, and I think we underestimate the value and the necessity of having someone explaining to you why you need to drink it, when you need to drink it, what are the side effects, how, how should you go about informing uh, your pharmacist if you have a side effect, and then to make sure that they understand the importance that they can play in ensuring that their chronic condition is uh, stable and that they can live a healthy life. Now, talk to us about uh, the role before that, before we get to your role um, in playing uh, to not only deliver medicines, but also to deliver personalized care and support to the public you serve. How can we empower people to take their medication consistently and appropriately, even beyond this week? Well, um, I think it's a good start for this week, but also making sure that using social media platforms, uh, providing them with newsletters, using Facebook for articles, and making them a way to actually go and read up on it, and then uh, uh, emphasizing the accessibility um, of a pharmacist helpline, or by making sure that you engage with them on at least a regular basis to check how they are feeling, um, making sure that they are taking their medicines as they should, um, checking the quantity of meds, the storage of the medication. So it's about engaging with patients, talking to them, uh, and making them aware. So I think the awareness is probably the most important thing to continue sustaining your chronic illnesses to the best of your ability. Now, the role that you're playing to not only deliver medicines, but to also deliver personalized care and support to the public you serve. Just tell us about that. Yes, well, we have uh, almost 460 qualified pharmacists and pharmacist assistants in MediPost employ, and we have invested quite heavily in the necessary skills so that these staff members can be able to assist patients with telephonic counselling, which is, um, uh, well, the most, the largest benefit is the fact that you can speak to a pharmacist in the privacy of your own home. The consultation can be taken, uh, be done any time that's convenient to the patient. And we have pharmacists and assistants that can actually advise you in the language of your choice. Um, there's a, a helpline that we have that's available to patients to call. And then because our pharmacists and assistants understand that patients do not have necessarily have a face-to-face contact with them, they are listening skills to be able to hear that a patient is actually understanding what it is that they are trying to convey because taking medication isn't one of your highlights of your day. It's more a, a task and to make sure that you understand that the role that they can play in making sure that they get the best benefit. Um, we really consider this telephonic pharmacy advice to be a crucial tool in assisting to address the gaps in the people's understanding of how to use it effectively. Rencha, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the opportunity. Enjoy your day. Thank you, and to you too. That's Rencha Myberg, a sales and marketing director at Medipost Group in South Africa, joining us on the line. Building Africa with love. Bujambo Africa. If there are holes in this continental ship, we are its children. Let us go and stop the holes. Let us gladly do it with our hearts. And if we cannot, then let us die.
We will make a plug of our brains and put them into the ship, but condemn it never. Catch us on Channel Africa from 10 to 11 a.m. every Friday and Sundays from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. South Africa's former Deputy President and United Nations Undersecretary General and Executive Director of UN Women, Dr. Pumzilem Lambunguka, will be honoured at this year's In Good Companies experience taking place in Johannesburg on the 26th of this month. To Dungobeni Felder's report. The second annual In Good Company experience is powered by Stain City. This year's event is themed Building the Africa of Tomorrow, a platform created to afford women in business and corporate an opportunity to participate in the creation of a gender-balanced continent, economically and socially. It also celebrates and recognizes women who have contributed towards the country and Africa's betterment. United Nations Undersecretary General and Executive of UN Women, Dr. Pum is this year's honorary recipient of the Ellen Honorary Award. Founder and CEO of the event, Jablile Gwala, explains. We would like to announce Dr. Pumzilem Lambonuga. She is our former vice president and she is the executive director of UN Women. And the reason why we chose this lady, um, this very young lady, is because of all the work that she has done. She has always advocated for gender diversity and gender inclusivity. She has always um, had a view and um, kind of been very clear on some of the social issues that we face as women. And we, you know, looking at how the country is actually burning right now, we feel that it is actually very topical for us to also just be responsible with our messaging. Women with interest in marketing, construction, property, wellness, business, technology, fashion, art, music, legal, food, beauty, with impact and humanitarian services will get to meet and greet trailblazers in their respective industries. There will be 15-minute meetings being scheduled throughout the day to deal with specific questions that the women might need help with from the mentors. Gwala elaborates. Um, so this year we do expect women to come in their numbers. The one big thing that we did learn last year, firstly, you know, the, the event itself was amazing. We had great women in the room, but uh, we felt that we actually didn't connect enough. And hence, this year, we made it more than just a talk, and hence the business festival. So what is different from last year is that this year when you come in, you can actually set up meetings, firstly with the speakers. So if you would like to have a conversation with one of the speakers, you get your ticket, you get there early enough, and you can have 15 minutes with them instead of just sitting and watching them the entire time because we felt that last year we brought a great um, list, list of speakers, powerful um, women and men who are supportive of the dialogue around gender diversity and inclusivity, but they were not accessible, so they were still far. And we know that when we have a big crowd, it's also not easy for people to ask questions. And hence the add-on to say, now you have a meet and greet, you, have, you want to have a conversation with any one of the uh, panelists, you can set up that time with them. And then the second part is the connection with each other. So we sit in a room and we're all doing amazing things, but we actually don't know, what do you do? So when you come in as a guest this year, you tell us whether you're in corporate or whether you're running a business. 
you tell us what are the things that you need or what are the things that you are kind of giving um, as a service. And you can then set up meetings with other women who are in the room and um, you can connect beyond just what happens um, on the 26th of September. South African artist Amanda Black, visual artist Nelson Makamu, and media personality Dineo Langa will also take part in this event. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Tutongo Beni in Johannesburg. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy, which can ensure full employment. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NETLEC to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment, and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. I've tried looking for a job for a year and a half now. The challenges were experience and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. I, Nelson Holisasa Mandela, do hereby say to be faithful to the Republic of South Africa. He was not a ruler, like just telling people what to do. He didn't rule us, he led us. His role as president in the process of nation building was exemplary and wonderful. You could disagree with him, he would disagree with you, you could even be quite testy with each other, and yet it wouldn't affect the overall relationship of your own cooperational friendship. Nelson Mandela, a giant of two centuries. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. It's 7.45 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Our economics update up next with Chabiso Luhoko. Good morning. Nigeria has announced a boycott of the World Economic Forum on Africa currently being held in Cape Town following 
the continued attacks on foreign-owned businesses in South Africa. South African businesses in Nigeria, meanwhile, such as MTN, Peak and Pay and ShopRite, have faced the protests outside their stores. This resulted in violent clashes between Nigerian police and demonstrators. The BBC's Mieni Jones has more. An advisor to President Buhari has told the BBC that the Nigerian government wouldn't be attending the World Economic Forum on Africa. On Tuesday, the Nigerian president had said he would send a special envoy to South Africa to talk about the looting of foreign-owned businesses there. News of the attacks has angered many Nigerians who feel they're being unfairly targeted. Today, protesters in Nigeria have continued retaliatory attacks that started Tuesday, targeting South African businesses. Eyewitnesses have also told the BBC that some foreigners were targeted by the protesters. Vintage Goldfields Chief Executive Officer Mike McChenzie says that the new investors in the Lili Mine near Babaton in South Africa's Mpumalanga province will prioritize the process of retrieving the container that was trapped underground with three workers inside when the mine collapsed three years ago. Vintage has announced that they have secured a deal with investors. Vintage Goldfields has held a meeting with the new investors, former workers and the SSC Group in Mbombela. Vintage CEO Mark McChensey says that they are hoping that the mine will reopen in the next few months. SSC Flaming Silver tried to raise the money to buy these mines for 18 months and they failed. So we cancelled that agreement back in March. That's nearly six months ago. Uh, SSC took that to the, uh, the High Court and that matter was dismissed with costs. The SSC chapter is behind us and we have a new transaction with Realwin Investments who are busy buying the mines at the moment. Realwin have already completed their preliminary due diligence of the mine. They have advanced their financing. They've got all their financing plans in, in order. They've approached the DMR with a view to the Section 11. An official says Africa's largest trading bloc plans to promote intra-regional trade through innovation. Assistant Secretary-General of the Common Market for Eastern and Southern Africa, Kipiego Ochegulid, said at a regional trade forum in the Kenyan capital Nairobi that innovation creates technological and comparative advantage, which in turn drives trade. The key objective of the five-day event was to bring together academics, think tanks, government officials and the private sector from the 21 member states to discuss emerging topical issues in regional integration. The Zimbabwe Association of Dairy Farmers says its members have so far produced 45 million litres of milk against the yearly target of 90 million litres. ZADF Chairperson Guzai Cherima says that the industry is currently being weighed down by drought, which has affected the availability of stock feeds. Zimbabwe requires at least 120 million litres of milk annually. The acquisition of international accreditation is one factor that may hinder progress for small and medium enterprises as it is too costly. As the kingdom of Eswatini moves towards an export-driven economy, SMEs may need to partner with established businesses, especially when it comes to exporting. This was revealed by the country's kitchen chief executive officer, Carlos Paiva, during the launch of the Eswatini Export Readiness Training Manual at the Eswatini International Trade Fair at Mavuso in Manzini. Paiva said Eswatini Kitchen, as a food processing entity exporting goods to foreign markets, had experienced a bumpy road 
with many a pothole in the process of acquiring accreditation. He said one of the most challenging experiences was the fact that they are a developing entity. The Eswatini Standards Authority was not a really globally recognized standard. The US dollar is trading at 357.50 Nigerian Naira, 10.85 Botswana Pula, 102.62 Kenyan Shilling, and 13.6 now Zambian Guacha. In BRICS currencies, one US dollar will cost you 413 Brazilian roll, 6638 Russian ruble, 72 Indian rupee, 715 Chinese yuan, and 1490 to the South African rand. 82 pence British pound, 90 cents euro. Gold $1,545, platinum $991 per ounce, brand crude oil $60.63 a barrel. Africa rise and shine. A sports update up next with Figile Lingwati. First up in our sports update, let's start off with football news. South Africa is not an island. It belongs to the continent and the global village. These were the ways of Bafana Bafana newly appointed head coach Mulifinzeki as he was appealing to the perpetrators of the xenophobic attacks in South Africa to stop. Bafana's planned international friendly match away to Zambia in Lusaka was cancelled by the Football Association of Zambia FAS, citing the attacks on foreign nationals in South Africa as the main reason. Speaking after a training match against Glad Africa Championship side Swallows Football Club, Nzeki says it shouldn't be forgotten that countries on the continent played a leading role to help bring freedom in this country. To all South Africans, to all Africans, we are one thing. All that is important is to respect each other, is to love each other and end this violence because violence is not going to help us going forward. Remember, as South Africans, we got our democracy in 1994. We did not uh, kill anybody or we did not uh, involve ourselves into a civil war of some kind. And I think we need to respect each other and we need to love each other. We can't have a situation when you're taking somebody's life because he's not a South African or he's not a, a Zimbabwean or a Nigerian. All that is important is let us be one thing as Africa and love each other. You're making a very important message that uh, even during the time when we were fighting for the struggle, these are the very same countries um, that are taking deep to help the cause. I hope we don't forget uh, quickly or easily about uh, where we come from, because that is very important for us to uphold the relationship with the neighboring countries, with countries in Africa. As South Africans, we are not an island. We are part of the bigger world. And being part of the bigger world, we need to protect and look after each other. Ntseki says the decision by FAS to cancel the friendly match meant that Chipolopolo's preparations for the AFCON 2021 qualifiers in November have also been affected. A coach like myself, I've gone through the very same process. I've gone through the same teachings. I've gone through the same learning. Uh, having started with the under-17 myself, uh, assisted Sheikh Mashaba at the under-20 at a certain time, and uh, the Top players that I think uh, most of them that took South Africa to the World Cup uh, on several occasions, 
and also to the AFCON. Having won it, or we do not win the AFCON, but most of those players have actually come through the support of the coaches that are local. I'm local. Mulefinzek is local. Sheikh Mashaba is local. Uh, who else do I leave behind? All of those coaches that were given a chance, they've actually gone through certain elementary stages and they've done very, very, very well in as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I think it's only the best way for us to go out and give the maximum support to Mulefinzeki. Cricket music. Riza Hendricks led a strong betting display for South Africa A in the fourth unofficial ODI against India A in Trivadrum before rain forced the game to be abandoned at the Greenfield International Stadium. The right-hander who hit a century in the series opener struck an unbeaten 60 of 70 balls with good support coming from Matthew Bretzke, Temba Bavuma and Hendrik Larsen not out as the tourists reached 137 for one when the wet weather prematurely ended their innings. The South Africans had feed 25 overs at the stage with the target then revised to 193 in the same number of overs. And that's your sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorba. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories in Africa, rise and shine at the sour. Zimbabwe's president says Africans must be united and fight the scourge of xenophobia, and South African government urged to quell attacks on foreigners. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumuto Ramagadza and Tutongobeni, technical producers Fiso Mashejo and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at infochannelafrica.org or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news is Bob Miley with a song titled Africa Unite.